When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back, the smart pain. Welcome back to the Smart Strong Podcast with me, Ben James, and my good friend and co-host, Jacob Stain. Morning, Jacob. Morning, Ben. So today we've discussed uh, a number of topics around the back and back health and uh, the aim of Smart Strong with, I think it's fair to say, a particular focus on the intervertebral disc and disc herniation. So today we thought we would discuss disc anatomy and put some of the uh, concepts that we've talked about and some of the risk factors that we've talked about in, into a bit more perspective for the listeners. So disc anatomy clearly is uh, plays an important focus on, on back health, back pain and, and disc herniations and understanding how that disc is made up, why it's vulnerable, when it's vulnerable, signs and symptoms of uh, disc issues. You know, and what does this mean for you if you've had a disc injury or suspect a disc injury? And in the long term, in terms of training, in terms of pain and in terms of rehabilitation. So to kick us off, Jacob, brief description of the intervertebral disc and then let's discuss in a little bit more detail. Right. So um, it's a little bit difficult to do it without a picture. So I'm going to ask everybody listening to imagine it in front of you. We will start by uh, looking at what's called the joint complex. So a joint complex in the spine is where you have two vertebrae on top of each other, stacked on top of each other. And in between these two vertebrae, these two bones, you have a disc, uh, the intervertebral disc. So the disc is actually a very important component to allow the movement between these two bones but not allow them to to lose each other if you understand what i mean in terms yep. of staying connected to each other so the, the 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 big question here is really how healthy is your disc now the disc is made up of uh, a few parts a few components and um, you got to look at the disc if you look look from the top as a little bit of a kidney a kidney shaped a kidney bean shaped uh, disc. Some discs discs are um, more in the shape of a kidney bean, and some are a little bit more oval. And that's just uh, depending on your anatomy. And the, yeah, but that's important um, point there. Just to jump in, sorry, Jacob, is that you know that that shape, as it were, and that variation in shape between individuals is quite an important factor when we consider the different exercises or or activities that people want to do because that lends itself to potential risk or not in different activities it's fair to say which we can you know come on to in in more detail detail in later episodes but it is just something to acknowledge that that variation between individuals and also the impact that may have on certain activities um, that we perform yeah um that's a good point and I think you're right. Let's speak about that another time because it's it's going to open a whole different discussion. <laughs> a lot of detail. 
Yes, yes. So if we get back to the uh, to the disc, you like I said, you have these two main shapes, and then all the variations in between the oval and the kidney bean shaped disc. And then we have if you take the disc and you look from the side, so you look front on to the spine, and you 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 look at the disc in that direction. Above and below the disc, you have what we call the end plate. And the end yep. plate is the connection between the vertebral body, the bony bit, and the actual cartilaginous disc. And that's very important because this connection uh, needs to be intact and it needs to be healthy. Um, and let me speak a little bit more about that in a moment, but I'm going to first go through the anatomy. And then if we look at what's inside the disc, inside the disc we have in the center what we call the nucleus pulposus. And yep. The nucleus pulposus is a, you can see it as a ball of fluid. It's actually uh, embryonic fluid, so it's very, it's foreign to the body. So if it would ever leak out, the body would get a bit of a shock in terms of uh, recognizing it. And then um, that's why we often get such a big inflammatory response when we do get a herniated disc where this uh, fluid substance protrudes or escapes from the disc into the into the body but then um, this this fluid actually acts as a ball and the upper disc will be rolling on top of this ball right as we know yeah. it's very difficult to compress fluid um, so it's difficult to compress the fluid uh, it's easier to compress the actual disc which is on the side of this fluid yeah uh, and then, and then if we look more at the, the cartilaginous disc, the actual uh, um, uh, uh, material that uh, uh, the, the disc is made up of uh, or made from, it's, it's actually almost like you're taking layers of paper and you're laying them on, um, next to each other, going from the, the inside to the outside. But the interesting thing is that every piece of layer is going in a... In a in the, the next piece of layer is going at a 45 degree angle from left to left bottom to top right and the next layer will go from um, the right uh, bottom. bottom to top left so it's crossing over at a 90 degree angle um, and if you look at it from side on uh, as the spine is upright it's at a 45 degree angle yeah basically I think without a diagram it's difficult to explain but what you have to understand is that every layer of this cart cartilaginous tissue um, is going in a opposite direction. So if it would be compressed from the top, it's almost like guy wires mm -hmm. coming, coming under tension. Yeah. And that's what lends the disc its, uh, its, its um, ability to resist pressure, but also the ability to absorb pressure. Yes. And just jumping in there, go, when you consider those uh, concentric kind of rings of tissue and that that variability in the direction of the the fibers within that tissue if you then imagine twisting the spine which we always want to avoid and there's a lot more detail to discuss around movement at the hips etc etc as we move through the different podcast episodes but if you imagine if you were to twist the spine itself which we always want to avoid then you can imagine that if you were to twist to the left, some of those fibers are going to contract and they're going to be under tension, 
whereas the other ones working in the opposite direction are going to loosen, so they're going to slacken, which is why there's often exactly. uh, a risk of injury when you're doing rotational movements if you haven't got that brace and that abdominal control. So it, just yeah. something interesting to recognise, I think, as part of that, which is going to be a core theme again, that whole neutral spine and, and, and reducing or eliminating movement, should we say. I just want to add. I just want to add to that, Ben, and I want to say that, you know, and we want to make this clear. We're, we're talking specifically, um, and especially when you're twisting under pressure. So either when yes. you're bending forward, twisting, or if you have weight in your hands, um, and that's going to take uh, the uh, momentum to one side when you twist with your shoulders on your hips. And, you know, that, that's when it becomes dangerous. If you have no weight bearing and you're relatively strong and your discs are, are healthy, yep. then going in one direction, twisting should be okay. It's not something we would want you to do a million times a day. Exactly. That would lead, lead to a problem. But, yeah, and just to make, make it clear that, um, uh, that we have to consider this, this, especially when there's a problem at the disc or if you are working with a specific type of sport um, or uh, your job requires you to twist through your back, then we want you to rather twist through the hips. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, coming back to just before we go into mechanisms of injury, you know, when you look at this disc anatomy, if, if we, again, back to spine health, if we treat it with respect in terms of how we move, it's incredibly resilient to injury. In fact, a lot of the studies will show that actually producing uh, an injury and a, a, a damage to the tissue in a research laboratory, for example, of a healthy disc, one traumatic episode is actually very, very difficult. It's very, very challenging to damage that disc on a one-off traumatic incident. Yes, it can happen, but it's actually very, very rare because of the design of, of that um, material. But what we tend to see is it's the repetitive movements in the wrong way that are affecting these tissues. Yeah, that's it. So if you imagine you're putting, you know, if you imagine putting a load through the disc, you know, a weight or whatever that might be, and you overload that disc, so you overload the, um, the tissue tolerance, as it were, so the tissue will have a tolerance to stresses and pressure etc etc if you were to overload that in one incidence yes you can you can damage it but it's very rare whereas actually when you look at repetitive activities such as bending from the back and lifting something repetitively throughout the day then that itself is a repetitive uh, strain on the back and tolerance of that tissue will gradually decline then you have an injury Another example of, of overloading that tissue would be if you're sitting all day, you put in a constant tension to those tissues, not that repetitive from lifting, but a constant, again, the tissue tolerance declines and then you can, you can get a risk of injury. So it's and, and important. Sorry, Ben, to interrupt no. you, but it's, um, it's just to make it clear what you're referring to, especially to the people listening. Ben is especially referring to the disc. So we're um, not always, but in this case, and in, in, in the most cases, the tissue that he's referring to that will get damaged, especially with these sort of activities, is the disc. Um, it will slowly get uh, worn and irritated. And um, yeah, 
that's it, Ben. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, and what you what you actually see again is is those kind of concentric rings around that that nucleus in the middle of the disc, with that repetitive motion, they start to delaminate. So they start to um, separate, I guess, and that's when you start to see that nucleus, that that central viscous fluid material start to creep through those layers which is what contributes to the classic disc herniation exactly so the the integrity between the the the, the fibers of these um lamina of uh, of um cartilage layers that we have on the disc they the integrity uh, it loses its integrity and that's what Ben says so especially if you have a repetitive movement that ends up pushing the fluid in the middle in the same direction you will end up allowing the the fluid to be pushed through and in between these fibers and it, you know from the research we know that it looks a little bit like a toothpaste like substance and it will creep through the fibers a bit like a worm yeah and um, and then it will squeeze out like a worm if it goes that far towards the back towards the back usually and it would usually be off center so it wouldn't be exactly in the middle of the back but it would be more to the one side yes yes and back to that um talk about movement if you imagine you're flexing forward from from your spine and to the left you can imagine if you if you were to put that pressure on the disc if you imagine having a model in your hand and you put that pressure imagine where that the direction of where that nucleus wants to go if you're bending forward to the left then you can imagine and see that material being pushed to the back right so all these kind of movement patterns when you look at the anatomy of the disc start to become obvious in terms of the causation of these injuries and the resultant pain because once you get that um, material that worm-like movement as as Jacob describes pushing out the back of the disc that's when you start to get the potential risk of inflammatory responses and because of the the way that the nerves exit the spine they can irritate the spine which gives people that classic sciatica like pain and and that's where we we start to see a lot more problems and a lot more discomfort but interestingly if you look at a lot of the models and a lot of the research if you were to put that pressure on the on the spine in that flexed position so we're talking about bending forward then you're pushing that material out the back but interestingly even if injury is there and you can see that if you keep that spine in neutral and apply the same pressure then that disc material that nucleus often you will see that it doesn't push out and again that's back to the importance of movement particularly when we have these injuries that if you keep that neutral posture despite the injury being there then gradually over time you're reducing or you're taking away the causative factor and the causative movements and what will happen is you'll gradually get that vascular and nerve structures into the disc and it'll gristle and you'll find that you can overcome that problem. Yeah, and I want to say that it may take a little bit of time. Yes. You know, Ben says it will gristle, it will, it will heal, it will get better. It will heal if we create the right environment for it to heal. Absolutely. You know? And if you if you still apply the same uh, causative problem 
it might be something that you do at your work or sitting in a car an hour to work and an hour back. Um, and maybe the, uh, the, the, the what you're applying to your back is not as bad as before. When you worked in the garden, you had a heavy session in, in the garden for a day. But that may hold you back from recovering. So the ideal environment we want to create is when, one where uh, you do a specific um, uh, goal-orientated exercises, well, specific to your uh, your body, and of course the the resting exercises, the relaxation exercises, where you completely take the pressure off the disc. And uh, if someone would instruct you how to do that properly, you'd be able to have the disc and the joint complex, the two bones and the disc in between, in a very neutral position. And this is the absolute best and most important part of that healing process. And even if you do that for five or ten minutes, uh, a couple of times a day, you'd already feel notice a massive difference, uh, especially in the pressure you feel at that place in your back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just to summarize, the, the, there's a lot of information there. The disc is is a, is a brilliant um, kind of anatomical uh, feat of engineering, as it were, in the way it works. And actually, it's very resilient to injury. But over time it's the gradual low volume loads but repetitively um, placed on that structure that that lead to decline in tissue health and lead to injury but by recognizing the patterns of movement that are causing that discomfort and taking them away actually we can manage these problems very very well because disc injury and herniation a lot of people say well will it go back in Will it go back in? Will I will I have this problem forever? And the realities are, well, it depends. If you continue to aggravate that with the activities that have no doubt caused it in the first place, then yes, this problem is going to be continued, continued pain, continued discomfort, and you're going to feel like you're left with this problem forever. But actually, if you're just aware of it, aware of those movements, those relaxation techniques, as Jacob says, be aware of that neutral spine, then actually these structures have a have the capacity to to heal or or at least gristle and stop that discomfort but it's important that we recognize those movements and take those away as the first step to um rehabilitation as it were and and i think the other thing that that we we should come back on is discs don't just herniate um kind of posteriorly and they they also move up through the end plate and into the vertebral body that's when we often see jacob the that real marked inflammatory response yeah um just to add to what ben said there um just want to make it clear again quick for your imagination uh picturing the joint complex in front of you you have the two uh, vertebral bodies on top of each other and in between them you have the disc and as i mentioned you have the end plate on top of the disc, making contact with the vertebral body. You also have one below the disc, making contact with the lower vertebral body, the bony bit. And, yes. um, and so, yeah, so just like Ben said, you know, sometimes if you have an impact um, or you have a, a weakened end plate, maybe it's already been irritated and you have an impact, and it, then it's possible for the nucleus, the fluid, which we mentioned cannot be so easily compressed as the disc it's possible that that actually break through the end plate and gets pushed into the vertebral body into the bone 
Yes. And because that material is enclosed um, within the disc normally, when that material moves out of that disc, the body doesn't recognize that material. So therefore, that's what evokes this inflammatory response. And that's when you often see people walking around rigid and not wanting to, to make any movement of the spine because of the discomfort um, at that level. And that's often um, accompanied. If you do see imaging such as MRI, you can often see um, those changes. Often you, you can see these what we call Schmalz nodes um, within the vertebral body on, on imaging when uh, these end plate fractures occur. And again, it's about removing those causative factors that are you know, creating that pain that's going to help with ultimate recovery. And I think that's the most important message for people on, on this podcast is that disc problems can certainly be managed and they can certainly be managed very effectively. But there has to be an onus on the individual to understand those causative factors and make a conscious effort habitually in daily activities to remove uh, remove those those poor movements because otherwise you're just compounding the, the problem. You're, you're picking the scab, as it were, and, and not allowing that tissue time to heal and then gristle and take your pain away you're continually yeah. aggravating the problem. And this is what we see from a lot of people that they don't understand this. And in fairness, they don't get yeah. the advice they need to remove the problem in the first place. So you may go and see yeah. a practitioner or a clinician to get advice support. They might do some manual therapies. They might give you some exercises to do to as a rehabilitation program. But actually what it starts with is an exact kind of diagnosis and focus on the area of the problem and yeah. take away yeah. the causative factors that are creating that pain in terms of movement. Yeah, and I, exactly. That's a very good point. And I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned that, Ben, because, you know, um, I think people aren't aware. People think that it has to be the muscle in the back or, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they're not quite sure what's going on there, even if they feel it, it is in the, in the center of the back. So they, they think it might be my spine or, or something's going on there, but, people don't really realize that it's actually a disc and they don't understand this process that we just discussed. So I think for a lot of people, if you're not still not sure, listen to the podcast again and try and get an overview, maybe go online and have a look at the joint complex in the spine while you listen to the, the podcast and try to understand that quite often it is your disc that's irritated and you get that, you know, some, it, it depends what's going on. You might have a very dull, Mm -hmm. deep ongoing uh, uh my back feels tired feeling yeah now in general that will not be your muscle and um quite often i have patients who ask well is it my is it my is it now the bones or is it now a muscle and my answer is actually always always the same it's never only the muscle I mean, the muscle only reacts to what the brain tells it to do. So if it's tight and protective and cramped, then it's most likely because of the joint that it's covering being uh, either inflamed or irritated. And in this case, if a disc is irritated, um, that's quite a big signal to the brain and you can get all sorts of uh, reactions there. Yeah. And, um, and that, yeah, just to make that clear, you know, if, if you have that dull, achy feeling, 
and um, your therapist or clinician isn't giving you a clear uh, a clear diagnosis with the proper testing involved, then yeah, it might be a, an opportunity to look for a different one. But you want clarity on that because if it's the case, you want to take the right steps to make sure that you get back to recovery and not leave that disc to progress into becoming maybe a full-blown hernia or um, or, or, or a degenerated uh, um, tissue. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, moving on from that, and we'll discuss further anatomy in the next podcast, some of the other structures um, around that intervertebral uh, spinal unit, as it were. Um, but what you often see is patients that do have disc injury, they might overcome that injury, they might um, listen to advice if they get some good advice and they they learn to move properly. But if they don't, then it's often the case that we see pain further down the line, which can come from other joints becoming aggravated or as a result of that disc injury. So it is really important that we try and be aware of these problems when they occur. And it, and it doesn't, as we say, you're not looking for that single traumatic event. A lot of patients will often say, I can't, I just can't think what I've done to, to cause this problem. And it's always that straw that broke the, the camel's back that, that over time you're aggravating these tissues, the tolerance of those tissues declines and the injury occurs. And then after that, you'll do one thing that could be yeah. really innocuous that suddenly bang, that's what's, that's what's suddenly causing your pain. And so, you know, it's, it's important to be aware of those movements on a daily basis, but they can certainly, certainly be managed effectively. And if you do that, then you should be able to manage that back and, and, you know, help yourself to be resilient to, to further injury in the future. But a lot of that is to take ownership and to make a conscious effort to develop that core strength and those core strength and those movement patterns that are going to really contribute to, to spine health because without doing so, then you're doing a disservice to a, to your back. And if the clinician isn't giving you that advice, then that's a disservice to you uh, as a paying customer you know, because that is fundamental in terms of your rehabilitation and your success in managing a a, a back um, problem. Yeah, very good, Ben. I think we should maybe leave it there until we come back to... Yeah, I think, you know, it's it, it, a short episode today, just talking about that, that intervertebral disc, putting a bit of... Um, theory behind it just to to educate the listeners but certainly as Jacob says go away and have a have a look um, online or in a textbook about the disc because it, it it's a it will put it into a lot more perspective to have that visual uh, aid but it as we say it's it's a structure that is hugely resilient to injury it's fantastic in terms of creating the movement that we get throughout the spine but it has to be respected. And if it's respected and you respect the way that you move, then your disc will provide a service to you throughout your life. But if you are constantly aggravating that problem, which we see day on day on day, then you will start to get that, that deep dull ache sometimes or that sudden inflammatory pain when, we, when those tissue tolerances are exceeded. But it can be managed it can be managed effectively with movement which is what this podcast is is all about which is what the business is all about so be aware of that posture when you're sitting all day give yourself breaks and then with doing that you're really helping to uh, to manage your back health 
And as we move forward into the next podcast, we'll, just, we'll, we'll revisit some of these points. We'll talk about some of the other structures that can be affected with back pain, some of the signs and symptoms uh, and how we, how we manage that pain and discomfort. So, Jacob, thanks again. Thanks, listeners, for, for listening in. And we'll see you next time uh, for podcast number four.